everybody, and welcome to Read, Watch, Play. I'm Corinne. And I'm Justin. I'm James. And I'm Cleo. And this episode, we're going to be talking about Gone Home, a game developed by the Fulbright Company. I love this game a lot. I think we all really enjoy this more than maybe most of the games that we've played. I mean, we've all we've enjoyed most of the games we've played, but I feel like this is going like to be Gone, like really yeah. high up there. Meanwhile, James is, a... is over there like, I fucking love 999. <laughs> oh my god, Cleo, you shut your damn mouth. <laughs> no, I, I I do love 999, but I adore this game. This is uh, this is one of those like high watermarks in just game design. And I think even for like a lot of the same reasons why 999 is, right? Like a lot of what's really cool about 999 is that it's, it's a neat story, but it would kind of suck as a book, right? But I feel like in the same way, like this... It's not that this would suck as a book, but I feel like so much of what this comes would out suck of this... as a book. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, like this would suck as a book. This would suck yeah. as a movie. It's a decent story that is only made engaging by the way it is experienced. Like this, to me, is the pinnacle of experiential storytelling in games so far. Well, there we go. And God, just the tightness of the design in this game. This is going to be an episode where we pretty heavily talk about design because. I, I point to Gone Home all the time to people to say, like, like this is one of the, the most well-designed games I've ever played. Yeah, I mean, in terms of environmental storytelling, oh my god. I actually, yeah. when I was playing, I took notes of every single moment of atmosphere that set you up to, A, be completely surprised by the various ways the stories at the end resolved, and B, led you down the exact right path you needed to go down, despite the fact that most areas of the house were open to you from the beginning. Well, I mean, you can you can beat the game in, what, like 90 seconds? Yeah. Something like that. I Yeah, which is one of my favorite things about it, right? Is that it's, there's not some, like, lock. You don't need to, like, get to the basement or the kitchen or, like, upstairs or anything like that before anything opens. There's a couple of those, right? Where yeah. certain wings of the house... But yeah, even the critical path, like the the critical path to credits is open from the get-go. It's not like it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, and then it, I mean, that one you're not going to stumble across. Like that's that's a bit different. And all of the, okay, so let's, I guess let's talk basic premise first of all. Um, so in Gone Home, you play Katie, what is it, Greenbrier? Yeah. Greenbrier, this, yeah. Yeah, you play Katie Greenbrier, who was on a trip abroad in Europe, and while she was away, her family moved back to her recently uncle's, deceased yeah. great uncle's house, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was her yeah. father's uncle. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. A recently deceased great uncle's house, and they moved, and she's coming back to a new. Uh, is it new, or is it. I don't think she's been there before. No, but the her sister knows Danny. She reconnects with an old friend of hers, right? Well, they moved away from where Danny lived, and then Danny came to visit, or she went to go. She visit went to visit Danny. him, and then he came to visit her in the old neighborhood. Okay, we'll explore that further. But this is a yeah, yeah it's a totally new neighborhood. They've never okay. been here before. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when she arrives at home she gave everyone very short notice uh due to the nature of her trip and when she arrives at home nobody is there and there's a cryptic ominous note on the door from her sister and that's where the game begins also it's 1995 also it's 1995 june 1995 very important 
or VHS tapes all over the house. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Golly. I mean, it's it's hard to go around right and just like talk about like whether we like the game or not. Like we opened this by saying that we all think that this is going to be one of the favorite games that we've we've played in for the podcast before. We had a whole spiel about you know arguing that it's one of the just high watermarks for game design. So I think pretty pretty clear where we stand on that one. But uh, one thing that I'm really curious about uh, before we get into talking directly about the game itself is what uh, we had all played this before this podcast. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was the context for the very first time you played this game? A friend of ours, she recommended it to me, and I trust Liz's opinion, and so I bought the game and played it. Uh, for me, the game had been on my radar since slightly before launch. Uh, Steve Gaynor was on the uh, the Bioshock development team, I want to say, for the for both of the first two, but potentially only the second one. I think it was um, mainly the second one, but he did the Minerva's Den DLC. Right, but yeah. he, he developed, he was the, well, like, he, was, he worked on the, it. Well, no, for Minerva's Den, he was either the level designer or the, the like, actual director of Minerva's Den. But either way, he produced probably one of the single best, tightest pieces of, like, Bioshock that there is. Yeah. Minerva's Den is phenomenal. And uh, so I got the opportunity to meet him at practice a few years ago, and he gave a talk that I saw, and we had Minerva's Den set up, and we so like all that stuff was, and it was like me learning about him, and I was like, wow, this guy is like a really smart, cool, intelligent designer. Like I'm gonna, like I'm going to you know follow this guy and sort of keep track of his work, and that was how I ended up finding out about Gone Home, Uh, and then everybody was kind of making it, or everybody was talking about it when it came out. It's like this is really cool, this, and it's like. As somebody who is particularly infatuated with, like, narrative in games and wants to see that grow, this was, like, key for me. Uh, so I didn't actually end up playing it until after Corinne did. Um, but I remember I played the entire... I played the whole game with you. Not with you with you, but, like, we were together. You were on your computer and I was on Atlas behind you. And I played oh. the entire game. Okay. And we were... I mean, we talked about it occasionally, but... I have no memory of this. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you have no memory of of asking me to record myself playing because I was so freaked out and you thought it would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are a lot of mysteries and none of it has to do with this game. Yep. Or nope. What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Did we all go into this pretty blind without like knowing any of the... Uh... Yeah, I, I had no clue. No idea into it at the all. First time. Yeah. yeah, that is the only way to play this. I feel. Best way to play. Abso- Absolutely. That means that I think we should call a spoiler break pretty early in this yeah. episode. Yeah, like honestly, you only got a couple more minutes, guys. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with that, and that was actually going to be my follow up was just at what everyone knew going into this. Because I'm very much of the opinion that everyone should play this game. I know it. There's a lot of people who don't like it, but I think their reasons are stupid. At, at, at the very absolute least, because you're not going to know what you think of this game or games like this until you've actually given it a, a shot. So do try it. It's really phenomenal. I wouldn't even go so far as to say what the genre is, right? Because, like, a lot of the fun is figuring that out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I would say kind of in lieu of our usual, like, discussion about whether you should play a thing, I'd say just, just yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all of us wholeheartedly agree. It'll take you at most maybe four hours to get through the game. Yeah. You I can complete I, it in two. I yeah. played it. 
I mean, I have played it through twice. Both instances took me less than an hour and a half. Well, there you go. Yeah, I think that it's it's going to depend. Your mileage may vary. It's going to depend a lot about like to what extent you explore. Like you know, if it's a, it, video games, but yeah, I it's certainly not more than four. I think yeah. So if you pick up every single like thing out of the kitchen, every like box of tissues. And yeah, I mean, it's like listen. Spread. I know some. I know somebody who gathered every single cup in the house and put it in the dishwasher, and it's like obviously <laughs> that's going to lengthen the game a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, that's how you get the rocket launcher. So you've got it. Yeah, but spoilers. If you don't carry the gnome and put it on the spaceship, then how are you gonna? Yeah, exactly. Then how do you beat the final boss? Right. Yeah, but anyway, I would say the other thing is it's it's a very easy game to get, which is I think is kind of the other that follow up to why I think that everyone should just play this game. Like, it's it's on PS4, it's on PC. I don't remember if it's on Xbox. Uh, super low specs for PC though. It'll run PC. It'll run on Mac if you've installed Linux. I don't know if there's a version there, but I assume that you know how to get your hands on some, you know other computer in that case i don't know i can't think of any reason why if you have access to this podcast you shouldn't just go and play gone home i can't think of any reason that anyone should should not play this game even if you end up being a, a stupid person who doesn't like it <laughs> we'll don't, like you less, don't tell us that part but you'll be a more well-rounded person for it actually if you don't like it you can just stop listening to this podcast right now we don't want your listenership <laughs> Go away. I Never speak to us I, again. I wouldn't go that far. Keep listening. <laughs> Feel free. Just don't, don't talk to us. I'm going to make that bold claim. Uh, just don't unsubscribe. You, you don't have to listen to the episodes, but we need the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank kinda you. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Thanks, guys. So, I mean, with that, do we do we want to call the spoiler break? Is there anything? To what extent can we get into this nope, without like, getting into The spoilers? first and only thing no. I primarily want to talk about like requires to spoil the entire game. So Okay. Yeah, so absolutely. Spoiler break. We'll go to a summary real fast, and we'll be back after these messages. Yeah, so this is going to be our last specific episode as part of our Solitude series. Definitely check in for next episode when we're going to be talking about all of it together as a topic, which I'm super excited for. We've talked about it a little bit on each of the previous episodes, but I'm really excited to see how we bring everything together, and I, God, I hope we do it. Um, <laughs> our next series is going to be psychological horror. We're going to be reading The Shining by Stephen King, uh, reading, not watching. We're watching Jacob's Ladder, and we are going to be playing The Evil Within. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you do not think that's going to be a lot of fun. Shut up, Justin. <laughs> I think that's going to be a lot of fun. James is not ready. <sighs> Fuck. I'm not. This is going to be rough. God, why do I let you talk me into these Halloween episodes? Christ. <laughs> All right. Anyway, that aside, I think it's time to cut to the summary. Gone Home opens with a message on an answering machine left by Katie Greenbrier, letting her family know that she'll be flying in that night, that she's sorry for the short notice, and that she'll get her own ride home. Katie has been traveling Europe for the past year. While she was away, the family moved into a new home, which was bequeathed to her father by his uncle Oscar. You play as Katie, just arrived at the new home, standing on the front porch. On the front door is a cryptic and worrying note from Katie's younger sister, Sam, asking her not to tell their parents and to not be mad. There are multiple intertwining storylines about Sam, the mom, the dad, and Oscar. Most of these are secondary storylines. Finding the clues for these stories requires players to examine the environment for things like letters, news clippings, and calendars. However, the main story clues are narrated journal entries from Sam, which are prompted by picking up certain items throughout the house. The journals start right after the move. 
Sam is feeling lost and alone in a new home and new school without her sister around. She has difficulty fitting in, which is made worse by the fact that the new home is known as the Psycho House. Sam then becomes intrigued by a girl at her school named Lonnie, and she decides that she wants to get to know Lonnie better. The two bond over Street Fighter and an interest in the paranormal, and she and Sam start hanging out. Lonnie is a punk in ROTC, and gives Sam multiple tapes that players can find and listen to throughout the game. The two grow closer, and it soon becomes clear that a romance is developing between them. They dance around one another for several journal entries, and then are finally able to admit their feelings and kiss. After that, they start officially dating, although they still have to keep it secret. Additional complications arise when Sam starts making plans for the summer, and Lonnie tells her that she's planning on joining the army when she graduates. They decide to make the most of the time they have left, and Lonnie starts singing in a punk band. Sam continues to worry about her parents finding out, and about her and Lonnie's future if Lonnie joins the army. Eventually, Sam's parents do find out, and they completely dismiss her relationship as a phase. Sam receives support from her old friend Daniel, though she continues to struggle with the thought of losing Lonnie at the end of the school year. As the days count down, Lonnie has her farewell show with the band, and the two spend their final night together. Sam can't stop dwelling on how much she'll miss Lonnie, and how she doesn't know how she'll go on with Lonnie so far away. She doesn't have any hope of seeing Lonnie again anytime soon. That night, Sam cries in Lonnie's arms until she falls asleep, and Lonnie is gone in the morning. Alone, Sam thinks about how tired she is, and how, when she's in the attic, it's like Lonnie could still be there. The second-to-last journal ends with Sam thinking about how she'll just go up to the attic to wait. The order of the journals takes you, ultimately, to the attic. Players are left fearing that the worst has come to pass, and that they'll find Sam up there after all. However, after unlocking the attic and going up, you find Sam's journal, but no Sam, and get the final entry. Lonnie got on the bus to basic training, but realized she couldn't go through with it. She got off in another town and called Sam to come get her, and invited her to ride off into the sunset together. Sam said yes, packed everything she could, and left to be with Lonnie. All right, so thanks for that lovely summary, Corinne. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. So, Justin, I feel like you you closed out our, our yeah. pre-spoiler segment saying that the one first and only thing that you want to talk about requires spoiling everything. So let's get to that. So the thing that I love most about this game is how it changes theme and your expectations. No, well, it sets expectations essentially three times. For me, I come into this game. What are you for? I'd the, argue five. I could possibly argue six. The primary <laughs> ones that I'm looking at here, based on my own experience, is you come into the game and you you figure something like you you figure something has gone wrong, but you don't know what. And the first thing that you get is that this the it is designed in such a way that I mean you're in an old empty house that is creaky that the lights flicker that the house settles that. You were. It's just very easy to be scared. Also, being in this you're place in the middle of a violent alone. storm. Yes. Yeah. A and totally so, wind and storm. rain and just all this. And so, that. so there's all of this atmosphere, which basically kickstarts this as a horror game. Light is very important when you enter dark rooms. It is scary. Like, and then as you're reading more of the notes and getting more of of the plot through Sam's journal of what happened while you were gone you're getting like 
there's like tinges of supernaturalness in there where Sam is talking about seeing ghosts, about Oscar haunting the place, about using a Ouija board, about like all of this stuff where she's convinced that there's like something otherworldly going on in this house. Um, so you get this, so that like informs how you're experiencing this like baseline level, like scared of the dark, scared of this like empty, big empty house kind of feeling and like tunnels it through this, this supernatural thing. And then as you uncover more and more of Sam's journals and you understand what's going on and how she's developing her friendship with Lonnie and, and everything that's going on and, and what is happening in her life, you, you get a, like a completely different idea of, of what would actually be happening. And like on top, as that's happening, the, the supernatural stuff is sort of being written off and you're, you're understanding that that's just sort of like the, fancy you know the fanciful imaginings of like a a very creative 17 year old girl right and and then you hit this point where things with sam turn really dark and you get to the end like the very end of the game when you finally have the key to the attic and you can go upstairs they very realistically build this expectation that you're going to find your little sister dead in the attic that she has committed suicide like fully expect this is what they set up and this is how they build it and then you finally get the key and you sort of you know you amble up to the attic and you're almost scared of ending the game and making this discovery and you go up to the attic and and then that's not what happened and you find out you know what actually happened and it's it it so it just subverts your expectations several times throughout the main plot it probably does it several more times in subplots but this was sort of the the lens that i was focused on that is just the storytelling to me that just like like fuck like my heart's beating now thinking about how i felt the first time that i played the game and was feeling these things like all over it's it's so it it again it would be a shitty book and a passable movie but it is a perfect video game narrative and it is made powerful by the fact that it is experienced by the player in my mind like the story itself is a it's a coming of age story for the for sam and it's like that's not a bad story in and of itself but what makes gone home powerful is the fact that it is experienced i would say even to build on that i would i don't know that i would go so far as to say that the supernatural stuff kind of gets written off it definitely like moves into the background but just like what you find under the stairs, right? Like yeah, before you God. go up to the attic and like the red lights around the attic and stuff that, you know, serve as kind of like a good spooky moment a, a couple times. But I think they do a really good job of weaving all of those expectations up to the end where it, I, I agree that the thing at the forefront of my mind when I first hit that was she killed herself. Um, and like, that's what you're going to find. It's just, they, I think they do such a good job of just calling up the spooky ghost story right there at the end where you're just like, oh, fuck, like, I'd finally gotten to the point where I'm not scared to walk around this house anymore. Like, I've turned on all the lights. There's no more, like, spooky long basement hallways where you have to just, like, take, like, a leap of faith to just run into the dark hallway yeah. and find like, the light switch. Dumb hidden passages where you have to find the stupid string on the light Yeah, bulb. exactly. And so, like, you, you finally got the whole house lit up. You're feeling a bit more comfortable. You And you've, you really hit that point where it feels like you have sort of, like, written off the ghost story as, like, Okay, no, that was just kind of silly. And you're like, no, they wanted me to write it off, and now it's going to be there, and now it's going to be Oscar, and it's all going to be like terrible and scary, and it's all going to be all those things that I like thought it was going to be at the beginning of the game. I don't know. I, I really like it because I would say it's all the things that you just said. But then on top of that, they do such a good job of like bringing in that one little thing and making you think, well, maybe they lulled me into a false sense of security. If I was willing to believe that they like pulled me into a false sense of anxiety – 
I'm totally willing to accept that they pulled me into a real sense of anxiety and then made me get rid of that. Because at this point, just like this game is deciding how I feel now, not me anymore. Yeah, pretty much. But and I do, I do very much want to talk about the narrative parts of this game. But first, we have to talk about fear as an element of the game design. I've played Gone Home a couple times now, and every time I'm just I'm blown away by how like by how masterfully I was herded along the proper pathway to find all the pieces of the puzzles in the correct order and get the story exactly the way I'm supposed to be receiving it by the use of, you know, tension and atmosphere and lights and, you know, one or two locked doors, but that's it. You know, everything else is just atmosphere and where that tells you to go. Like, even even if we're just talking about the front foyer, for example, the very start of the game, you go in and you have uh, a foyer with a door on your left, a door on your right, stairway going up, a further door on your left, and a further door on your right. And the left side is more lit up than the right, so the first thing you're going to do, obviously, is go to the left and go towards the bathroom where you pick up a paper and you get Sam's first journal entry. And then... After that, you're, you know, you're definitely not going to go upstairs because it's super dark and spooky, so you avoid that completely. And there's a light that you can turn on to the right, but, you know, you'll do that after you've visited all the bright places first. So you go and you check out the, the answering machine, and then you get the messages from, from Lonnie, which are very ominous and scary. Yeah. And, like, because in the second one, she's sobbing over the yeah, phone. Yeah, like, mes and message one like, is, like, pretty standard, it's like and then pretty message light two is, like... I need you, where are you, like, sobbing and yeah. a terrified girl. And, yeah. like... It, it's scary. You're like, what yeah. the fuck has happened? And, and then, like, no, I mean, the note the from Sam on the front door and... does not exactly instill a sense of, like, everything is okay in your yeah. mind. Like, and there's, like, creaking going on around you. As soon as and... you step into the foyer, also, the first thing you see is, like violently flickering lights yep and i remember yeah. that's like the first moment because you have you, go, you start on the porch then you go inside thunder lights flickering and, and i was like oh shit this is not going to be okay with my my nervous personality so you know me personally after that i went back to the other side of the room uh checked the closet went over turned the light on and then got the first letter from carol to the mother and started, you know, picking up pieces of that storyline. Tried the door, because I was right there. Door's locked. Okay, so I go back to the other side, open the door. Long, dark hallway. Green lights spilling out at the end. That's, like, flickering. And that's it. And it's just like, oh, shit. I think I quit the game, like, two or three times in the beginning. Because I just could not handle how scared I was. Until Justin told me to record myself. And then because I was, like, constantly talking to myself as I was recording, I was able to get through it. Yeah, I definitely quit the game at least once. I know, I remember exactly what happened. I quit the game once because I was freaked out. Because I went upstairs right away. Oh, God. Because I, it was like <laughs> I just got finished telling you <laughs> that how was the delicately the game was designed. I know. I know. The first time I went through, yeah, the first time I went through, I fucked everything up and went upstairs. It didn't ruin the story for me. It was fine. But then I, like, I signed, I, like, had to quit because I was just, like, it was late at night and I was freaked out. And I think I met, I posted somewhere and it was like, you were still, you were, like, awake. It was kind of late. And you got you and the heck were just like just finish it, just like do it. It's fine. And so I went back and finished the whole thing, and then it was like 
3.30 a.m. and I needed to talk to people about it because I was, like, trying to process everything still and my brain was broken. And we we jumped on Google Hangouts, I think. Yeah, no, I remember that. I had, like, a bottle of brandy. I remember <laughs> this. I feel like that's setting aside the bottle of brandy. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's actually one of the really kind of bizarre experiences as someone who has played Gone Home and is recommending it to someone else is when that person gets to the first, like, really scary moment and there's, like, hey, so I know you recommend it. I just need you to tell me, like, is it, like, what kind of game is this? Is this a horror game? Is this a scary game? And that feeling that it would be wrong of you to tell them, like, whether it is or not. Like, and honestly, it's a hard question to answer, right? Because it is a scary game. Yeah. You that... will be scared, but nothing actually scary happens. There's yeah. one jump scare. It's... Yes. There's okay. one jump scare. One jump scare. And that's a fucking terrifying and jump scare. Also, there's one light in the basement that I swear to God will go on without you doing it. It happened to me the first time I played and that's when I quit the game for the night and came back (laughs) to it the next day. And it happened to me again when I was playing yesterday. If in the basement, uh, you know how there's like one room and then if you go straight, then you'll get like the sort of like bed on the ground. And then the whole thing about like, I can sing and all that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I both times I played, I did not turn on the light in the room next to me. And then I went into that room, did all that stuff, came back out, and the light was on when I came out. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if I've had that. God. It wrecked me. It wrecked me the first time. And the second time I was just like, bullshit. I was paying attention this time and it still happened. Whatever. I know nothing scary happens. Yeah. Suck my dick game. It's one of those really, like, I, this was the kind of game where the first time I played it, I'm like, this is the kind of game that I'm going to play once and never again. Like, I, I really wanted to, like, play it once, and that was just, like, my thing. Like, I went through and I read, like, I listened to, like, the developer diaries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the kind of thing where I wanted to go through. And I think part of it was that I didn't really know that I wanted to go through it knowing that everything was, was okay. Um, and I ended up doing that for uh, when it came out again later, and Chelsea and I played it together, and then for the podcast... And also because I beat it just a ton of times to have fun with the fact that you can beat it in, like, 90 seconds. Yeah, it's a really different experience going through when you know that there's nothing that's going to hurt you. Yeah. Like, there's no Oscar's ghost. There's no, like... There's no Danny lurking in the woods with a hatchet. Yeah. yeah there's, there's no just, like, other arbitrary, like, unexplained, like, basement monster or, like, secret, like, person who's been living there all along or, like, Ranger Rick because... You know, your mom ruined his marriage Ranger or anything Rick like that. running through the forest with a hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know. I, I will argue that I do think the house is legitimately haunted in the game by Oscar, though. Oh, I like, do, canonically? Yeah. Like, I personally believe that. Because you, about that jump scare, right? Which is, per, it's perfect that there is only one jump scare and then that is what it is. You find, like, Oscar's little hidey hole, like, behind the walls, behind the secret panel, where there's, like, it's, like, old timey like fashion ad or whatever like clothing ads it looked like from you mean newspapers like the, the, on the piece on the walls the yeah the the one passageway yeah it's yeah, like it's like a stairway up to like the parents bedroom mm-hmm. from the i want to say like the like library, library. Yeah. yeah and you go in there and it's like it's just these like post-it the, the walls covered with like clothing ads from like whenever like the 30s ish it looked like yeah and then there's a crucifix just like a wooden like tiny little crucifix on the like wall or whatever and you can pick it up and it has like Jesus-y stuff written on it and after about maybe like two and a half seconds of you looking at the crucifix the light bulb breaks and it goes dark and even knowing it's gonna happen I've played this game like four times and every time it so freaks me out 
Fun fact, apparently, and there's also like uh, like thunder or lightning at that point, apparently that is like the only timed weather in the game. The rest of it is totally procedural. So if there's a moment where you like just stepped into a room and there was a really scary like lightning or thunder, like crash, flash, whatever, uh, that was random. That was just for you. Yep. Yeah. Um, Actually, I don't think I have ever done that. Picked up the crucifix or had a scary lightning? No, looked at the crucifix. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. The crucifix oh, fucked me up. You've been missing out it apparently on it fear because that's the thing. I've been I've been very adamant that like the house isn't haunted and it's just Sam being Sam and dreaming up things because she's a teenager who's not connecting with her parents and she's living in this new house and blah blah blah. Which it might still be, right? Which like, it very well still could be. Like, of course, it could be coincidence, but they put this seed there to to you know make it reasonable to not or you know to not totally doubt the idea that Oscar haunts the house or at least did. Yeah. Right. And maybe they did actually manage to exercise him. But it's also the sounds, like all the creaking, like Mm -hmm. that creaking is like, you hear people like walking around. Like, yeah, it was really, I mean, as somebody who's lived in houses like that, it does just sound like that during a storm. Well, that's the idea though, right? Is that there's a plausible explanation for all of it. Right. As someone who's lived in a haunted house, it also (laughs) sounds like that. (laughs) Um, but, like, yeah, I mean, the, but the thing is, there is an implausible explanation for the light bulb breaking. I mean, I guess you could explain it away with, you know, it's a thunderstorm and a power surge or, yeah, and, and like, just, you know, the, they even talk the thing about the wiring and, like, the reason the lights flicker is because of the way the house is wired and been rewired repeatedly. And the same thing could explain away, like, a light bulb being overloaded and it's just poor timing. Yeah, and just light bulbs burn out sometimes. And when they do, it's really scary because all of us are totally normal grown-up brave adults and sometimes we get scared by light bulbs especially when you're holding a creepy crucifix that your pedophile great uncle made that's totally before we go into pedophiles i just want to point out one thing and that is that when you finish all of the first floor that you can finish and it's time to finally brave the upstairs one of the first sort of things uh, well maybe not the first but one of the very very early things you find is a note on a cork board telling Sam to stop leaving all the lights yeah. on. You're just as, because she's just as bad as her sister. sister. Yep. And I just, it's so good. I read that and I was both irate and very impressed because I had been leaving every single goddamn light in the house on because mm-hmm. I was terrified. And I was like, you knew, you knew exactly what you were doing. And now you're making fun of me for being scared. Yeah. Fuck you. No, it's so good. It was one of my favorite things yeah. to find in the entire yeah. game. It's, yeah, it's one of the best moments in the game, to be honest. Because the first thing you do when you get into a creepy dark room is like, okay, turning on all the lights. Yep. Yep. And we're never going to turn those back off. I was actually, in the beginning, I was like, I'm just going to turn lights off as I go. This is fine. I'm going to act like a normal person. And then after like 15 minutes, I was like, all the lights are just staying on. Fuck this. It's like, no, this is my second time playing the game. I was like, I know everything's fine. I know it's good. I'm just gonna show, and then I would like the 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 thing that turned me off of it was that when I went through the first secret passage, and went from the parents' bedroom down to the library, and then so I came out into the library and it was dark, and then I walked out of the library into the dark hallway, and I was just like, nope, I'm gonna have to backtrack, and this shit is ridiculous. I'm leaving all the lights on. Can't do this. It's also just a good way of keeping track of like where you have and haven't been when you don't know your way around, but. Yeah, like it's as things like what you were saying, right? Like they just that the fear is one of the ways they encourage you to interact with the game in a way that makes the game make more sense, right? Because they know that the passageway is coming up, right? Like exactly what you're talking about. And now let's say that you are someone who doesn't 
remember like everywhere you've been, you haven't played it before. This way, if you've left the lights on, which you did because you were scared, and then you go in and you go through the passageway and you come out into somewhere with the lights on, you know immediately that, oh, this is a passageway back to somewhere that I've been. It, it, those weird little things that kind of like end up making you kind of use it as a tracking system. But yeah, I think it's exactly what you were saying, Corinne, where it's, but the real reason you, it, no one goes in the game and is like, ah, yes, I'm going to leave the lights on to keep track of the rooms where I've been. No, you can say that. You left the lights on because you were scared of the ghosts. Yep. But. Oh. Fun fact after we discussed this one room where it's the bathroom near um, Sam's room. Right when it, oh, you walk God. in and it looks oh, like there's blood in, everywhere. Yeah, the blood, the... Oh, and yeah. since I went upstairs first, I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> oh, is this kind of game?" And uh. <laughs> I was really, it was that was not. Oh, uh, that might have been my first time quitting the game when I but was like, "Did yeah. did you go upstairs, go into the bathroom, see the blood in the tub, and then just nope the fuck out, turn the light off, and go out?" Right? Like I was just like, I think I saw the blood or what I thought was blood, and needed to just like take a break. I think that was when I messaged someone. I was like, "Is this okay?" Because I was alone it, at night playing this. Right, and that's the thing. It's like when you play it the first time, or when you when you walk into that room, it's very easy to be like, "Fuck no," and just leave. But if you act, you know, if you actually explore, you see that it's the die and that yeah. it's actually not a problem. And then you and everything, pick up like... the die bottle and you get a journal entry. And like... Right. Yeah. This is this game is really a game of red herrings. Yeah. yeah. Like absolutely, hundred percent expertly placed red herrings. Yeah. Oh, but fun fact that was connected to that in Dragon Age Inquisition, Cole like goes off on all these crazy tangents when you're just like wandering around. He'll just like start talking things and like say plot point. He'll like give away plots for um games that are completely not Dragon Age or Bioware games at all. Oh, One of them is amazing. Gone Home. Yeah. And it's talking about, like, the it's like not blood in the tub or whatever. It's, I remember that. Oh, yeah. oh wow. Cold I had no it. idea that was a thing. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Fun fact. Um, pedophiles. Pedophiles, yeah. So, first time playing through, I don't think I got the safe open. Second time, I did. So, I wasn't, I didn't really realize the whole, that whole storyline with Oscar. I, I don't like, think I've opened a safe either time, so I think this it's is the, news to me. I think it's one of the things that's really interesting is, like, there's, I mean, it, obviously there's a ton of plot lines throughout the game, right? Where, so many. Yeah, where you've got, like, the main story, which is, which is Sam and Lonnie. You've got kind of the main stories for the each of the parents, but it also feels like they've got kind of, like, a couple of subplots going, like, as part of that. You've got the ways that they all interact, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, the Oscar one is really the one that, I, they do a really good job of making it feel really rewarding when you do get to it and you open that safe and you can kind of figure some of the stuff out. But they also do a really good job of making it the kind of thing where if you don't know it, though, it's not like you're missing a like a key part of the dad's character. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a really good balance of that, where it's simultaneously... It, it feels like it's an important shade to it that's not just sort of casually tacked on, but it also you don't feel like it's missing if you if you don't have it, which I think makes it such a good... It really feels like the biggest, like, Easter egg. I mean, it kind of story, right? For lack of, like, a better term. Easter I'm sure egg is child abuse. Yeah. Great. Yeah, there's there's got to be a better term for it. But it's like it, I mean, it's not like the cat Easter egg, right? Where you can, like, get the cat journal entry and it's just, I mean, it's the voice actress meowing yeah, over, one of the existing journals. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that's so good. But um, yeah, where like it feels like a substantial reward for figuring out what is arguably the only real like puzzle proper in the game. Even that's kind of a shaky, a shaky word there. But yeah, I think they do a really good job of that. Like you don't feel like it's missing if you don't get it. God, but when you really when you find that out though, it just it really adds so much depth to the story because 
not it kind of adds that like real horror element because this guy terry has moved back into this house where this like horrendous thing happened to him and he's bringing his family there and it's like you really like take time to reflect on that it's really messed up and like you he already has all these other kind of things going on and this is going to lead me to my next question for you guys which is um which character do you kind of identify with the most well not to be cliche <laughs> but the gay one there's two gay oh, there's ones. still two of those okay well then sam because uh I'm not into being in the military personally. God, I don't know who I identify with in this game. It's like, Rick. It's like I want to. It's like I want to say that I identify with with Katie, but she's not exactly a fleshed out character. Uh, I'll do that though. I feel like I identify with Katie. I'm. It's it's a weird thing. It's a very specific thing, right? But there's something about kind of being the oldest kid and going off to like i mean in my case mainly college right but then you come back after like a long time the rest of your family's there everyone's kind of had things going on i haven't been you know it's it's not like i was like as like out of touch with my family as as katie was but i don't know it's it's a surreal experience going back and you're kind of like you know there's the stuff that you do know but you're also sort of picking up little bits and pieces of this or that or you know a sibling was up to this and you maybe didn't know about that or you know this was happening with your parents i don't know it's it's weird there's something it is that whole sense of like it's and it's still your home but it's not the same place you grew up in a lot of ways right i don't know there is something about that just sort of like going through a house and because katie has these things where she sees like these these like remnants of sam she sees like remnants of like their cat and rent makes it sound like they're like little pieces of the cat <laughs> but like so Jesus. sam murdered the cat yeah um yeah all that blood in the bathtub that's the cat um, I really hated Mitten. Even that's kind of like a weird element to the fear. Because I remember, like, there's stuff for the cat. I'm like, where is this cat? But then, they, like, the cat had just, like, died and she knew about it. But I was like, oh, God, what if, like, the can cat's you, the ghost? Can you imagine <laughs> if that game also included a live cat that was also, its location was procedurally generated? Yeah, that around. would be terrifying. I would myself, legitimately. That would have been so terrifying. Except it was coded to show up in dark rooms when you were entering them for the first time. Yeah. But no, I mean, like, stuff like that, right, where you're going through, and they're, like, there are these, these things that remind her of home and that she's nostalgic about and that kind of stuff, but it's it's certainly not her her childhood home, and she's kind of picking up the pieces, figuring it out, and kind of finding out where, where her family's at then. Yeah. Obviously, it's more extreme in the game's case, but no, I think that that's totally a relatable experience. Well, I, oddly, I guess, kind of oddly, maybe it's not that odd, identify mostly with Terry. Knew it. <laughs> Saw it coming. Very predictable. <laughs> Keep going. Because no, just because like the idea of like you know he was a he wrote these books back in like the, what like the seventies right about like stopping the JFK assassination. He's like this creative type whose creative career just like ended up not really working out. Like his books tanked. The publisher didn't want to pick up the third one in the series. Um, so he's been like shopping around the publishers and it doesn't really work, you know, and no one's really interested. And so he ends up taking the job, like reviewing what, like, just like, you know, reviewing like audio, audio equipment, yeah, audio like equipment. stereo equipment. Yeah. And he like tries to write these like really poetic reviews and the guy's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, stop. Just, we don't want to know how it sounds. We don't want you to like, we have a word limit for a reason. Your job is to write to that. My job isn't to edit you down. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And he's just like, I don't know. That's like, it's really, I identify with that kind of like constantly rejected struggling artist thing who 
also is, you know, struggling with his marriage, I guess, right? Because, yeah, I mean, he doesn't seem to be as aware of the struggle that his marriage is going through as his wife is. Yeah. And the onset of alcoholism. Yeah, and the onset of alcohol. Yeah, that I don't so identify with, luckily. Which was hopefully nipped in the bud. Yeah. I think it's, it's you know, implied that everything's kind of getting back on track. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, I mean, he moved his writing space out into the greenhouse, which is just so nice. And not at all terrifying at night in a storm. No. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. I guess I guess let's talk about like story stuff now and how every single story is different from how it's initially set up or like resolved. Like I just I love how everything is flipped on its head. Like every single storyline. Right. I mean just to give the, the rundown, right? Like the mother story starts off and you're fully expecting because you, you're already getting hints that this marriage is kind of on the rocks. You get that first letter from her friend Carol and you get the context for what's going on and you 100% expect that she's having an affair. She's about to start an affair. Like the seeds are there. And the parents' bedroom is torn to pieces when you first find it and you're like, oh my God, like she just left. Yeah. The mother just left. Yep. The dad's off like getting drunk somewhere. The sister has killed herself in the attic. Like, I mean, really, before we think the attic stuff. but Yeah, I know. But, like, no. you know, each kind of terrible, terrible expectation that you get, that gets set up. Right. Can you imagine coming back to that? Just, like, mom's gone like with Ranger Rick. <laughs> 19 years old. Your mother's run off with someone. Your dad's off on a bender, and your sister is dead in the attic. Yeah. It'd be horrifying. Never Doesn't go to Europe, kids. Yeah, that's what moral you get. of the story. Don't travel abroad; your family will implode. Yeah, we talk about how great it is, though. Like, because you don't you don't get much of Katie's react, you don't get much of her personality. But then sometimes, like the text will pop up when you hover over a thing. It's like you find a condom. Yeah, and she your finds parents, like, like, oh, gross. Yours, and she's yeah. like, there is nothing I don't hate right now. Yep. And the other one is like in the bathroom. There's a book that's like written by some like reverend, right? It's like about how to get your marriage sexy times back or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or how about how she had, like, the same reaction to finding her dad's girly mags as she had to finding Finding Sam's Sam's. reading the exact same girly mags. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't see the condom one, but I remember the the girly mags, and I remember there's one, like, diary entry, right, where she just stops. Like, it's when Sam starts talking about, like, I think, like, the first times, I don't know, we don't know how far it gets because Katie stops reading it, but just one of her, like, really early, just really intimate moments with Lonnie, right? And she just, like stops reading it and she's just like oh god what's her what's her response to it it's it's down in the basement right i don't remember this i think it's in the basement yeah it's just, just like i'm not looking at that anymore yeah it was just like oh it, it's it's not quite the girly mag response of just like ew sam it was just like whoa sam <laughs> i don't know it's something like that i don't know yeah i like that also that you can't like you can't read the whole thing like it's a private moment you're not meant to read that yeah. right so like even though it was like written in theory, it's just like, yeah, you're not going to, yeah, you are Katie, so this is what you get. It's interesting. If you go back and you do the, the developer uh, diary run-through, which is worth doing. Um, I meant to do that this time. It's cool. It takes a little while just because there's so many of them, and they're they're long and they're interesting. Like, it's it's really good, but, um, yeah, one of those weird things where it's like, oh, yeah, going through the dev diary, like, took longer than playing the game. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, you go through, and they mention how, like, that was, that was really meant to serve those, like, dual, that dual purpose of being one of those few moments where you get some personality from Katie. Um, and also like what you were saying, Cleo, to keep it like a, a private moment, right? Like that's, that's for them. It's important that they get across like the point that their relationship is at, but you don't need to be in the room for it. That's, that's their time. 
So uh, we have the dad who um, is, you know, set up to be this failed, uh, failed writer, and it looks like he's becoming an alcoholic. And like I said, I was expecting for him to have just gone off on a bender somewhere. I was expecting that to be the the, the, the end of his end of line. his story. But actually, he gets picked up by a new, not publishing. Not company? really. What so what they are is they like pick up. They they specifically publish sort of like weird and out there stuff that they feel like is you know before its time and that kind of stuff and they have a clientele that's into the kinds of things like this JFK stories these JFK stories that he wrote and they found you know a couple of the original at uh, like a garage sale it was a, it was like a church something or other and they picked him up and were like yeah this is really good like we want to reprint this we tracked you know we finally tracked you down they sent him a letter and it's just like you know we'd like to reprint this and the sequel and they do that and then this like reinvigorates him and he writes like a third you know the third book that he had been like probably kicking around from the beginning and he had we see some uh some you know a couple first drafts of the third story and i think it had a different title and premise originally but we see that the premise he finally settles on once he's once we see that he's been his work has been recognized and he's found his inspiration again and he's moved his his working space out into the greenhouse we see that he has settled on a book to where the the main character what was his name jack russell jack jake russell jack russell john john russell I don't remember. I think it was Jake Russell. Uh, Jake sounds wrong to me. Jason Bourne. <laughs> okay. James Bond. Right? Uh, where we see that the main character of the book... Uh, JR. ...in the third book will have to go back in time to save himself, which I think is very poetic. One of my favorite things is definitely um, Terry's like office space where he writes... If you see his bulletin board and all his like rejected ideas and like rejected titles and stuff for his books, and some of them are really bad. Oh yeah, I forgot Firewatch and Gone Home could technically be considered to take place in the same universe. By the way. Oh yeah, because all of his books are like his in books the, are there. Yeah. Yeah. I always like that. Oh, that was cool. All right, so so the mom's story gets flipped on its head. The dad's story gets flipped on its head. The story of their marriage, you know, when you first walk in the room and the room is tossed and you think something terrible has happened is actually just because they packed real fast for a last-minute retreat to reaffirm their marriage and connect with one another again. Oh, see, I thought it was because Sam went through their shit to take stuff. What? No. Parents... She, I mean, she says explicitly, like, tell mom and dad I'm sorry for all the stuff I took. And, like, she took a bunch of the tech. Because you see, like, audio cables and, like, cables and stuff that are hooked up to nothing. But she says explicitly, like, tell mom and dad I'm sorry I took so much stuff. I always got the impression that the room was kind of left in shambles because they just kind of rushed out on a last-minute vacation. It could be both. E- yeah, either either or yeah. works. Anyway. Either way. Um, uh, and then there was the story of Daniel who, you know, when I was in super hyper afraid of everything mode, I definitely thought Daniel was one of the threats possibly lurking in the woods or the dark rooms of the house. I thought that any moment me looking out through a window when a flash of lightning went by, I'd see him 
out there with his Nintendo game. Grinning. <laughs> with the holding a of holding some an, sort. an SNES. Yeah, just yeah. trying to get his power gauntlet. <laughs> um, but Daniel's story was actually was that was actually one of the one of the really like touching ones, I think. Yeah. Yeah, if you do get through the whole thing. I don't know, did you I agree. Have something you wanted to say about that, Cleo? Yeah, just because, like, cause I definitely had that moment where, and I had that moment with when I played through the game with my friend Nicole once, which we played through it at night in the Catskills when it was, like, pitch black outside, and that was really terrifying, even though I knew everything. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's, like, the way to, like, it's terrifying, but it's also just, like, the way to play these games. Yeah. And she had a moment where she turned to me, she was like, he killed her, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't say anything. But I definitely had that moment when I was playing by myself the first time as well. And then you just find out that, like, you know, he's kind of, like, a weird, nerdy kid. And then she, they have, like, a really nice moment where they kind of, like, reconnect. Because they had kind of, like, reconnected a little bit, but only on a superficial level. And then she, like, opens up to him about, to him about like, all this stuff. And he's, like, totally super accepting of it. And she has, like, this good friend again. And that's nice. It's a I, nice thing that happened. I forgot that's how that ended. Yeah. I even just, like, replayed the game pretty recently. Yeah, and I forgot that was the ending of that. Maybe I just didn't get all the way through that one. I thought I did. Yeah, I mean, to get that one, I believe you have to go into the garage and look at the bike, and there's a hat on the bike. When you pick up the hat and put it back, it gives you the journal entry about him coming to get his stuff and Sam breaking down. And I know that I have seen all of the journal entries at some point. I think I must have missed it on this last one. No, it's a note in the kitchen table that has... uh... That's like a really, really old original drawing of Captain Allegra and the first mate. Okay. I haven't blended. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, I had to go back and get the hat one. And I, I, I remembered it being that. Never touched a hat. There might be more to it. No, oh, maybe. Jeez. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, maybe I just completely zoned out, but you were saying, you were talking about when he comes back to get his stuff. Yeah. And she, like, breaks down about being alone and all that, right? Yeah. Like, Something interesting is going on here. I'm going to play the game again. <laughs> yeah. I can just check which journal entry that is. I don't know. But, yeah, I I had forgotten about that because I, I always really mainly remember that story about as, as being just about, like, you know, it's kind of a friendship that Sam felt like she kind of outgrew. Do you remember also that it was pretty cool because there aren't a lot of stories about that. Hmm? I feel like there aren't a lot of stories about friendships where you just you kind of outgrow it and it's kind of sad, but it's also not the not the end of the world it's not a story about the fact that your friendship kind of fell apart it didn't fall apart in like a really terrible dramatic way you just kind of drifted apart it's one of those things it's not very dramatic but it feels very like real yeah yeah exactly like it's one of the things that i like a lot about persona 4 right um not going too much of a tangent but it's that's not part of persona 4 but i feel like that's how my relationship with like persona 4 No, one of the characters in Persona 4. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, my, my, character's, my character's relationship with one of the characters. He's one of the friends who's... He's one of the characters who's, like, your friends early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, like, the way that I went through his, like, getting to know that character and, like, the amount of time I spent with him as the game went on, it felt like it did, like, a really interesting job of creating this thing where I was really close with him early on. And then as I met more people who I felt, like, synced up better with, like, the character that I was playing, he and I just didn't hang out anymore. But so yeah, I always that's always how I remember Danny's story. But I yeah, I didn't realize that it comes together nicely at the end. That's cool. Yeah. Do you guys? Because this game, I'm trying to think of other games that kind of explore that do a really good job at environmental uh, storytelling, just like this one. 
and I keep thinking about like Mist, for instance, it's like an earlier example, but I'm trying to think of other ones. Yeah, I mean, Mist is like the go-to, right? It's like sort of the originator of this kind of game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and then there's stuff like Bioshock, right? Bioshock does a lot of really good environmental storytelling. And it's one of the only games where I'm like forgiving of the audio diary. Yeah, like kind of trope like, yeah. tactic. Because like this game is about them, yeah. and that's sort of its own thing. But for like a typical, you know, shooter action-y type game to like just resort to audio diaries for storytelling, I'm usually like, yeah. but for for some reason, the way Bioshock did it, I I was I was into it. Yeah, they're okay in Borderlands, but they're too easy to interrupt. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I even say on top of that, uh, like, um, I mean, it's I, I feel like kind of we're going through some of like the big examples, but The Last of Us does a really good job with environmental storytelling. Yeah. You know, it avoids the whole audio diary thing, but like actual literal like like the whole Ishmael story, right? Is is never addressed i think in any line of dialogue it's all just like messages on walls and stuff like that yeah. and, like occasional notes that you find i don't know some other really good ones i gotta play the last of us again anyway i think we are off topic officially yeah um yeah. how about favorite areas of the house favorite rooms favorite rooms my instinct is to say not the basement but I feel like for all the reasons that I want to say not the basement, like that, that's why the basement's pretty great, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's spooky just because it's a basement, yeah. but also just like the way it's laid out and you can hear like the furnace banging and there's just like, when you like turn into the furnace room and you just see the mouth of Satan, like <laughs> over in the corner, there's like, no, it's just the furnace. It's okay. But it's still like one of those spooky moments. And there's, there's that hallway in the basement where the light switches at the other end. Yeah. And you just have to run through, like, a long stretch of dark as you're going into a creepy basement. Like, And there's basements. the one room that has the light that doesn't work. And it typically it says, like, she's like, oh. oh, I guess this one just doesn't work. And it's, like, where the lumber, it's, like, where the wood is for the furnace. And it's also just, like, there's, like, a, there's some, like, car toys in there. And then right around the corner is the place where they're marking the heights of, like, Terry as, like, he got yeah. older. Yeah, it's just like all these implications of like I think yeah the picture of Cthulhu on the wall was just really kind of <laughs> yeah. haunting because I, th yeah, I thought that the implication there was that like that might have been this place where he was molested because like he didn't want Terry didn't want to go down there and change the light bulb out because he didn't want to be down there and it's always implied that the basement's where that shit happened right I hadn't made the connection of why he wouldn't have wanted to change the bulb but that makes perfect sense that was just what I kind of no I totally believe it I don't know I don't know if I have a favorite room so much as I have like a like some favorite things like for me really any like signs of sam and lonnie hanging out and yeah. having a good time in the house are just like my favorite things about the environment in the game so there's like the pillow fort in the in the like living room and the the pizza boxes everywhere or like the tapes just scattered around the house or every room you can find a tape player you can also find a tape and vice versa fun fact first time i played this game i didn't listen to any of the music because i was terrified that i would draw the attention of something terrible <laughs> so this time i made sure to leave the music playing for each each tape just to get like a feel for it as i like continued to explore the room and what a good soundtrack the game has too yeah. right like a lot of like kind of like early like riot girl kind of stuff oh it's great I love the 90s, whole the 90s. I mean, the reason anyone suggested this game to me in the first place is because, like, it was like, oh, it has three of your favorite things. Spooky fucking house, 90s stuff, and, oh, God, what was the other one? And, like, environmental storytelling. You know, this game also has something else I love, which is surprise lesbians. Yes. <laughs> I seek out a lot of media specifically because it has uh, a lesbian or 
bisexual female character. Um, but I always am delighted when I decide to pick something up for other reasons and am presented with lesbians <laughs> anyway. So just, it makes me feel so good. Also, none of them died. Yeah. Even though we were tricked into thinking potentially Several that... times that <laughs> that, uh... that had in fact happened. No, they just, they, they rode off into the sunset together. Like literally, the, like Lonnie is just like, I can't do this. <laughs> like, I'm not joining the military. I love you. We need to go. And Sam is just like, yeah. I love it. Two 17-year-old girls in 1995. Out on the road with make, a car make, full of VCRs. Make, <laughs> making it on their own by selling That's VCRs. That's not your idea of romance and what is. The car full of VCRs especially. <laughs> There's a Springsteen song about that, right? It's like, there. It's like, oh yeah, you and me, Born baby, we got, VCR, I think. I yeah, we got, we got a '67 Ford and a trunk full of VCRs, and we're just gonna go all <laughs> night. Oh, God, I just, I do love. I think my favorite room is the uh, the TV room because of the pillow for it, and you can just like, it looks cozy. It looks like they were. It just genuinely looks like two teenage girls were hanging out, and they're like bonding and having just like such a fucking cute romantic time watching like creepy because i also love looking at the uh the vhs collection yeah it's yeah. like i think there's like twin peaks a lot of x-files dark crystal labyrinth like yeah she's like obsessed I with the x-files yeah there's like i want to believe poster in her room yeah, and... yeah. i miss blockbuster so much I, it's just like <laughs> and it, that's i think that's another reason i love that room is because it's very it's like one of the most 90s rooms there along with like sam's right. bedroom and I miss those stupid video rental stores. Um, man, I'm going to give probably a really weird answer, but I really like the foyer. Specifically because it is just the design of that is so flawless. And unless you're Cleo, it leads you exactly <laughs> where you need to go so perfectly. Yeah, even and, like, why I die first in a horror like, movie. That you have the most branches there mm-hmm. and are so expertly led the exact way you need to go. Again, unless you're Cleo. It just it's just it's just great. It's so good. I wonder what percentage of people go uh where first. I have no idea, but anyone who doesn't do exactly what I did is wrong. <laughs> just wanted the, there were lights on in the stairwell i just wanted to see what was upstairs that also stairwell objectively was a gaping maw of darkness what is wrong with you upstairs is also less terrifying than downstairs when you really like look at the rooms i mean except for like the bloody bathroom but like the bedrooms aren't as scary you didn't as know like, that the, you i didn't know that at, but you looked into the now, abyss and leaped into it like maybe i'm just a very daring person <laughs> I'm brave. No, no, you're <laughs> you not. You said that with such conviction. You're definitely not. I, you have said yourself. The, you, no, you are contradicting yourself for so many different times. Corinne wanted... refuses <laughs> to acknowledge your There's bravery. There's no wrong way to play the game. <laughs> so what was it like finding the attic with no context? Like finding just like the spooky lights. I was just like, that's a fucking spooky attic. I'm not yeah, going I over there like, right now. I was now. like, wow, that's kind of weird. And then I walked over there. Yeah. And it said Sam's dark room. And I was like, oh, well, the red lights make perfect sense. I'm not scared anymore. Rachel in the dark room. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've kind of danced around it, which is weird because it is, I don't know, I, I would say pretty clearly the driving plot of the game. But so to, to come back to, to Corinne's uh, surprise lesbians. Um, Sam and Lonnie. Yeah. 
They're in love. And you don't, I mean, it's a, it's a really slow build. It's like, you know, you're getting Sam's story and, and she moves to this place and it's terrible and she tries to meet people and it's awful. And then, you know, it's like, oh, you know, there's like the note you find where it's like her first day of class and somebody passes her this note. And it's like, you know, I'm not really good at making friends, but you're new here. And, that, you know, I figured I would, you know, ask if you want to be my friend. And she responds and they respond back. And it's like, so you're the girl who lives in the psycho house, right? Are you a psycho too? And it's just like, great. Fucking kids are awful. I hate everything about this. Yeah. And she's, you know, you're getting more. And then, you know, she, Lonnie does the same thing when she gets to first meet her. But it's almost in, like, the least, like, hostile way that it could be done. Like a, like a point of genuine curiosity. And it just sort of is the thing that, like, kicks off their, their friendship that blossoms into a, a romantic relationship. And so awkward the way it develops, just, like, in real life. Because she's yeah. like, I don't know. She's like, I, I remember one of my favorite journal entries is when she's describing, like, they're lying on the mattress together in, like, Todd's place. And yeah, they have to share and, the futon, and yeah, and her eyes like adjusted dark, and she and Sam realize that they're both like staring at each other, and she feels so awkward that she all she can do is just turn around so her back is facing Lonnie. Yep, and you're just like no, but also, but I'll also that's that. so real life. Yeah, that's like, just... That's so just like I can't handle this, and I'm gonna turn around and pretend it's not happening, even though I love you. Yep. Oh God, so identifiable. I also love when she's like she's writing to Katie and she's like you've you knew that like I like girls right like I've known since She-Ra. Yeah. It's like yeah, that was, that was my, like just what a great reference. <laughs> She-Ra was like was like clearly mom and dad didn't know but like you and me know like I've known since She-Ra. And it's just like yes. A plus. Love this. How many people have had sexual awakenings due to cartoons? <laughs> many. But also it's like the other thing I mean there is like the Romance, like the blossoming romance side, but of of the relationship, and then there's also like the super kind of I don't even know how to describe it. like the relationship, like Sam's attempt to like explain to her parents and them being like, oh, it's just a phase, like you just haven't met the right boy yet. Yeah, like, she oh says my. that line, and I was just like, I was like beating my head against my desk. It's like, oh no, why? Because that's like universally so many people's fucking response. Yeah, and I like, mean, it's like, especially you're looking at 1995. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so is there anything else that we want to talk about? I had a dream. What? <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream once that I moved into the gone home house and I was simultaneously very excited and like really creeped out. I was like mortally afraid. Yeah, very afraid. And then one time I did come home and everyone was gone. I was like, it's just like gone home. I couldn't get in touch with anyone and I freaked out and I thought maybe I'm dead and I didn't realize that I had died and I'm a ghost now. Everybody was at your funeral. and then, yeah. I have an idea. And they came home and it was Let's really talk about how gone stuff. home relates to solitude. Oh yeah, we should probably do that at some point. I mean, admittedly, that's more the job of the next episode. That's true. In theory. But, Tune in next time. Uh, but I guess... I mean, we, we have we have touched, touched on it without on it. without speaking to it directly, yeah. but it's like yeah. the idea of coming, like, of feeling an overwhelm. Like, I mean, part of the, the like, you know, ambiance of the game and what we have, what instilled the feelings in us that we were feeling was that you were put into this place, like, that is already unfamiliar to you, but your family is supposed to be there and they're not there. And so you are like the entire game is coded in sort of an almost overwhelming sense of solitude while you're trying to piece together what's going on. You're also like you more than like ever probably feel like 
un just like overwhelmingly alone just just completely and you're picking up the pieces of your family's life for the past however long it's been right which also you, like, from from like a distance right you've been out of touch with yeah. all of it and so that only sort of builds on that feeling where it's just like you know i've been separate from all of this for so long well i mean you know unless you carry christmas duck through the entire game in which case you always have a friend yeah but then you have to carry christmas duck is Why that a thing you? that happens yeah christmas duck he hides the key to the house he's it's a the protector first, it's the first duck you pick up yeah yeah i know what christmas duck is but you don't there's nothing that happens if you carry a christmas duck through the entire game except for that you're just not alone except, anymore. except that you're not alone i carried the crucifix oh. around for a while because i didn't realize <laughs> that I sounds like a terrible <laughs> fucking idea because i wanted to read it in the light and so i brought it outside in the light and i forgot to put it down and then i was like oh shit there's this crucifix meanwhile in the oscar was just following you around the Maybe entire time you had oscar. the crucifix let me carry this symbol of the only supernatural occurrence in the entire game wonderful uh, there is actually. I wonder what happens if you carry the crucifix down to where they try to like exercise Oscar. If, if there's any, you cry. His ghost appears. Like Doom starts. He's really mild <laughs> demons. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, actually, because you're only 19 and not much younger. I don't know if there's a Steam achievement. If there is a trophy for bringing Christmas duck to his nest up in the attic. Mm. <laughs> There, yeah, there actually are no Steam achievements because they didn't intend to have the, like they didn't add them to the game until they released on console, and they didn't ever patch Steam because it's not what they think the game is about. Got it. Is, oh, my, yeah. is my understanding? Yeah, it's absolutely not what the game is about. No, of course. Yeah, it's just like they're the kind of developer that eat, like most games where if they launch without them on Steam and then add them on console, they'll patch them in on Steam just yeah so that they're there. Yeah. But I feel like it's almost a statement by Fulbright that like yeah. they don't want them there. Most of them are to guide you towards some of the goofy Easter eggy kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's stuff like bring Christmas duck to his little nest and like one of them is like get every like speed reader. Yeah, there's which two I actually want to do, ones. which is get every journal entry inside of ten minutes. Yeah. Which and is then there's one just, for like, cool. And there's one for it's just like uh credits in under like uh, a minute ten or something. Yeah. Oh, I also wanna just say Chris Remo, who did the the soundtrack for this. That was, is, like, spot on. Yeah, Chris Cause was so good. It sounded... Because it sounds like... It has, like, a little, like, of that Casio keyboard sound. That, like, 90s Casio keyboard type thing. Along with, like, the creepy, ominous, where the fuck is everyone tones going on. I put this more articulately in the article I wrote about creepy music and games a while back. But... Well, good to know. Chris Rumo is also a designer and composer for uh, Firewatch. Yeah. Which is probably part of... I mean, on top of being similar games, there's a reason that the, you know, even tonally they can kind of feel the same. Yeah. I mean, Firewatch is very much about solitude as well. Yeah. Anyway, I think this is probably a good, yeah. good yeah. time to wrap. Yeah. It's all right that we barely talked about the main plot line or how this tied to solitude. Well, I think putting off how it ties to solitude is fair because that's what we've been doing for, for all the other for ones. Most of them, yeah. yeah. I, I'd say once again, I'm really excited to have that conversation where we try and pull them all together just because try being the operative word i feel like yeah exactly hey we got there with cavalier and clay and 999 so i think we could pull it off yeah no i agree <laughs> that's actually why i'm really excited i feel like as long as just none of us do any pre-work at all and we just record us trying to draw blood from a stone until we do it that'll that'll be a good one that's but, just how i do it yeah but uh yeah so with that, I think we're going to wrap up our Gone Home episode. Absolutely come back for next time for the much-hyped 
uh, topic episode for this where we see if we can manage to tie all these together. Um, and then after that, we're going to be coming back for Psychological Horror, which is going to be a lot of fun. Or not. You know, fun for you. Not for James. Not for me. <laughs> a lot of fun for several of us. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so that'll be good. So, James, you're going to be live streaming your playthrough of The Evil Within, right? <laughs> right? <you> guys. <laughs> right? If we do a horror party... Oh my god. We'll be live streaming me watching someone else play it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like clockwork orange you, so you actually watch what's happening. If you do a group, horror party, you fine. have to play, James. Yeah. Why? This is why I don't tell you all things. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just been like, yeah, no, I totally finished until dawn. I can absolutely, I have no qualms or fears or yeah, any, any, uh, anything. Yeah, that's totally fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> Well, till next time. Yeah, till then. Thanks so much for listening. Which I didn't say last time. Fucked it up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Read, Watch, Play. If you want to help us out, the best thing you can do is tell your friends about the show. You can also rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to find us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at RWP Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RWP Podcast. Check out our Tumblr at rwppodcast.tumblr.com. And look out for our game streams on Twitch at twitch.tv slash readwatchplay.